Good morning. Okay, so this morning I have a very short passage. We're in Philippians 4, verse 5. So I have a slide. This is what Jackie spoke on last week. Let your gentleness be evident to all, is what Jackie had last week. This week I have the Lord is near. Short and sweet. So it's only half a verse and it's only four words. If you look at all different translations, it doesn't vary very much. You get, the Lord is at hand, the Lord is coming, the Lord is nigh. And even the amplified version, which normally gives you a bit more, says, the Lord is near. So in my, when I first looked at this, I was like, what am I going to say? It's four words. I didn't really know what to say. Looking at all those different translations, there wasn't really much difference, much padding out. So I prayed. I went, Lord, what, what are you wanting me to say with this? Because for me... That is quite self-explanatory. Does anybody else think it's self-explanatory? Yeah? It kind of is. But actually, I think there is so much more that we can explore in this. So I started to look at the other verses around it. So can I have the next slide? So these are the verses around. So Denise spoke on rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Oh, I've got a little thing here. That's what Denise spoke on a few weeks ago. Jackie spoke on, let your gentleness be evident to all. This week is, the Lord is near. And next week, Laurie, do not be anxious about anything. So I'm not going to steal anybody's thunder by going into those. But when I was looking at this in terms of context, I was like, the verses before... And after seem to be instructions. Do you, what do you think? Do you think they're instructions? They seem to be instructions. And then stuck in the middle is the Lord is near, which seems much more of a statement than an instruction. So can you just put the next bit up? So this is my sort of ponderings and wonderings. I don't know why there's a statement in the middle of instructions, but I'm just putting it out there. It's all me, my little ponderings and questions and wonderings. So I then started to look at, okay, well, what does... What, there must be something more here. So I looked at the Greek definitions of these lovely four words. Can you put the next slide up? So the means the definitive article. The. Next one. Lord, from kairos, means master or sir, which is from the root word kuros, which means supreme in authority. And then the last one, is near, means near. (laughs) 
So if we put it all together, we kind of, this is my little summary of this. Could expand it to the definitive master, the master. Supreme in authority is near. This is just my little sort of summary and ponderings and wonderings. So I've sort of thought, I think there's sort of two parts to this sermon. The first is the Lord, and the second is, is near. <laughs> so I'm going to explore both of those a little bit. Okay. So the Lord, he is supreme in authority. He is master over everything. We've just sung, he reigns. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. He is lord over everything. And that even means us. Whether we experience that he is lord over us or not, it doesn't change the fact he is lord over everything, including us. He created us. He named us. And what did we do? We rebelled against him. But then he sent Jesus to redeem us. To pay the price for us with Jesus' blood. And now we're his again. Which is awesome and amazing. We've just sung about that as well. And I think it's amazing. We're all here and we want to worship and praise him as Lord, as King, as King of Kings. But I've got a bit of a rhetorical question for you. Is he Lord of your life? And most of us will go, yeah, 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 yeah. But actually, what does that actually mean in everyday life to each of us? Because that can be huge. Is there somebody here that owns a business or manages people? Uh, I'm going to ask you some questions, Sonia. Is that all right? So in the morning, when, do you manage people? In the morning when you get to the office, what do you do? To your team, the people you manage? She says, good morning. Hurrah. <laughs> and then, what do you do? If they come to you with a query or a problem or a question, what do you do? You work it out. <laughs> <laughs> she listens to them, which is good. And if you ask them to do something, to do a piece of work or to do something... What do you expect them to do? Ask you questions. Ask you questions, and then? And then get on with it. And then get on with it. Yeah. Okay, I've taken this sort of example. Thank you, Sonia. I've taken this example as kind of master. Master can mean, um, in the time that this was written, Master is over slaves, normally, or somebody that they employ. Sometimes bond slaves, so slaves that they've freed and then are working for them. And the only similarity we sort of have in this sort of time is 
people managing people or owning a business. We don't really have slaves now in this country. In other countries, there are. So I've sort of taken this example, which is, it doesn't fully fit, but it sort of shows us a little bit of insight into master, into lord. So when Sonia asks somebody to do something, a piece of work, she expects it to be done. And that's the same with God. When he speaks to us and he's lord over our lives, if he asks us to do something, he, he wants us to obey. He wants us to follow him. But he's not strict and controlling. He's compassionate. He wants that dialogue with us. He wants to listen and hear from us. In the same way Sonia says hello to her work colleagues and the people she manages. In the same way that if they've got a problem or an issue, they can go to her. And they work it out together. They try and resolve it. God is compassionate in that place as still being Lord and Master and expecting us to follow him. I kind of started thinking about all those people in the New Testament who, who followed Jesus. And they did give up some things, didn't they? All the disciples, when Jesus called them, they gave up lots of stuff. When he called all the fishermen, he said, come follow me. They left their jobs. They left their livelihoods. They left the places where they lived. And they followed him because they wanted him to be Lord of their lives. And when he called, they followed now, some people found that really too hard. And the verse that came to me was a verse um, in Matthew... Blah, blah, blah. I haven't got my glasses on. Matthew 19, verse 16 to 30, where the rich man said, what can I do to get eternal life? And Jesus said, do all the commandments and follow me. And he said, but I already do that. And Jesus said, sell all you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And he went away sad because he couldn't do that. He couldn't give up all that richness that he had built up. He couldn't give it away. And in a way, where in our lives today do we have those things in our lives that we can't give up, that we can't surrender to him to be Lord over our lives? And... I know for me, there are things that I would struggle to give up. I'm working on it. God spoke to me this week about it, about not holding on to those things that bring me comfort, that bring me security, and to actually surrender to them. doesn't mean that he's going to ask me to give all those things up. It just means, is my heart in a place where I am ready to respond to him and his call and what he is asking? Is my heart ready to follow him wherever he calls, whatever he calls me to do? Is my heart ready? And sometimes we need to let go of some of those things that we hold on to. 
And we've talked about those many, many times in this in services, and Laurie's preached on those things as well. Actually, we live in a in a rich area. Are we willing to let go of that? But he loves us in that place. And he has compassion on us. He knows our hearts. And he knows us. And he's gentle with us. And as I said earlier, I'm working on those things as well. He doesn't expect us to overnight go, here you go, have everything I've got. He's after that heart that says, I'm struggling with this, but I'm wanting to get to that place. Help me move to that place where I can surrender these things. But I also find it is awesome that God, who is supreme in authority, who is king of kings over all creation, over the whole world, the universe, he is all powerful, he is holy God, that he's concerned about me and the details in my life, that he is concerned about the stuff I'm concerned about. He knows when I sit, when I stand, when I go out, when I come in. He knows the hairs on my head. He knows every detail about me and he's concerned about me. He died on a cross to save me, to redeem me, to set me free. I think that is awesome. It is amazing. But he also calls me. He bought each one of us by Jesus' blood. He purchased us in the same way that masters purchase slaves. He purchased us. He owns us. We are his whether we experience that, whether we know that or not. He is our master. But he's also set us free. And we have a choice to live as his slaves, as his bond slaves, to serve him 24-7 whenever we, he calls. Are we... Are we hearing that call? Are we willing to be obedient to him as Lord of our lives? I'm just going to leave that there for you to think about. The Lord is near. That one can be later. <laughs> when I looked at Nia... Near can be near in terms of distance and it can be near in terms of time. So I've got a couple of um, little examples here, make it a little bit interactive. Are there five teenagers that I can ask to help me, please? Come on, teenagers. We got five. If we haven't got five, then we'll just pick on somebody else. 
It'll be fine. Right. Okay. Benjamin, can you stand there? Timothy, can you stand behind him? Can I? Can one of you come and stand over here? Can one of you stand by that pillar? And then can one of you go and stand sort of next to Alice? (laughs) Okay. You're a person. The rest of you are God. Okay? Look at Alistair. Alistair is near. When you sort of gaze at Alistair, I know he's a bit distant, he's past the camera for those of you online, that when you gaze at him, I kind of had the image when I was looking at this, you know in films where two people's eyes meet across the room and the film sort of bring them from across the room together. (laughs) I'm not saying that this is going to happen here, but I'm just saying that actually Alastair is near, that when we focus on God, when God is in front of us and we focus on him, he is near. Sometimes God can be in our peripheral vision. When we're looking forward, God can be on our peripheral vision. We can be focused on doing stuff, whether it be at work, whether it be running the kids here and there, whether it be washing up, whatever the menial things are that we do or whatever we do in life. God is still near. Look how close. God is near. Even if he's in our peripheral vision, he is still near. And sometimes God can, if you can scoop behind the pillar, behind. sometimes we can push God away a little bit and sort of hide him. And sometimes this is what we can do. We can put him, no, God, I don't want you in this area of my life. No, I don't want you near here. We can sort of hide God a little bit sometimes. Or sometimes there can be something in the way between us and God. That can be sin, that can be whatever but God is still near and then sometimes we can't see God but God is near (laughs) look forward okay God is near yeah and God can be so near even if we can't see him sometimes we can be somebody that isn't a visual person but sometimes we can hear God when he whispers need to whisper (laughs) sometimes we can feel God when he touches us (laughs) sometimes we can can you can you hear him breathing yeah yeah we can hear God breathing sometimes we can smell God (laughs) can you smell Timothy does he smell nice yeah (laughs) so God is near in all these contexts in all these situations God is near he is near us thank you guys really helpful so I hope that's been a sort of visual aid God can be near in all different situations 
I have another example. Do you want me to come to you? This is my other example. Excuse the people online. Alice, hello. Is your baby near you? Very near. Specifically, near my bladder. God can be so near us. He can be in us. He is in us. He's in each one of us. But he is a different person. He is a person in us. Do you feel your baby move? Yes. Can Johnny see your baby move? Yeah, actually, now, yes. It's when the foot kind of goes right across the belly. (laughs) And how many weeks? What to go? Uh, Seven. Seven weeks. Baby is near. (laughs) Thank you, Alice. That's another example of near, but also near in terms of time. Actually, it isn't that long. And when we think about God in terms of proximity, distance to each of us, God is near. Whether we feel it, whether we know it, God is near. Whether we've pushed God out, he is near. Whether we want that or not, he is near. But he is also near to coming. He is coming. We can't stop that. He is coming. He has come and he is coming. Wrong side of page of notes. When I was preparing this, I was reading a couple of commentaries as well. And one of the commentaries sort of says it like this. Try and get your heads around it. I might kind of read it a couple of times. Christ, then, is ever at our doors. As near 2,000 years ago as now. 2,000 years ago, he's as near 2,000 years ago as he is now. And not nearer now than then. So he's not nearer to coming now than he was 2,000 years ago. And he's not nearer when he comes than he is now. Does that make sense? It sort of blows, when I read it, it sort of blew my mind a little bit. I'll read it again. Christ then is ever at our doors, as near 2,000 years ago as now, and not nearer now than then, and not nearer when he comes than now. God is outside time. So for, for him, time doesn't matter. But God is coming. We don't know the times. We don't know the days. We don't know when he's coming. It says that in scripture many times. But are we ready? The passage that came to me was of the, in Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13, of the ten virgins with the lamps, where they're in the street and they're waiting for the bridegroom to come. And five of them are prepared. They've got their lamps and they've got their oil. They can wait a long time. 
And there are five that are not ready, that are not prepared, that they don't have enough oil to wait. And they go off and find other things. And when the bridegroom comes, he takes those five that are ready into the feast. And the other five are left waiting. Are we ready for him coming? And this can be, are we ready now for him to be here now, near to us now? Are we ready? Are we ready for him coming in terms of time? Are we ready? Are we ready for him to be Lord over our lives? To call what, what he wants to call in our lives? Are we ready? And this is all a bit of the now and the not yet. He is here now. He draws near to us now. He walks with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He is not going anywhere. But he is coming in all his glory at the end of the age. Can you put the last slide up, please? The Lord is near. Johnny, I am about to land. But how does your heart respond to all of this? It's awesome, King of Kings, all-powerful God, who loves us, who died for us. How does your heart respond to him being Lord of your life? And him being near? How does your heart respond? My heart is deeply challenged. My heart is stirred. But also my heart is excited. My heart wants to rejoice and praise and worship the King of Kings. Because he is Lord of our lives. He is Lord the supreme authority, the Lord, is near. Amen.